0: Hey everybody, my name is Jacob Deaton, and welcome back for another episode of Southern Wedding Professionals, where we talk about all kinds of things in the wedding industry with all kinds of really cool people. And today, I get to talk to someone in my hometown, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, her name is Lauren Blaska. Lauren, how are you?
1: I am awesome. How are you?
0: I'm I'm great. I mean, it's 2021. We're here. Yes, All of our finally.
1: Are. We are here. We he- I certainly hope so. We are here.
0: <laughs> I like your background. You've got like the, Thank the you. fireplace setting. You're like, you're really setting the mood here for.
1: Uh, you know, I'm trying. Yeah, it's still, Um, it's not quite Christmasy, but it's still winter. I'm in like the back. This is actually the oldest part of our building that I'm in right now.
0: Oh, cool. Well, I, that's a great place to start. Let's let's actually start with just talking about your facility.
1: Take okay. Yeah, so I am the sales director at Park Tavern. We have two event venues within our property as well as a restaurant. And within the building, we have a kind of a more traditional ballroom that overlooks the Midtown Skyline and Piedmont Park. And then we also have an outdoor venue called the Garden Tent. And right now I'm in the back room that's used as the bridal suite or the lounge for the garden tent. Um, and this part of the building dates back to about 1905. It was originally a horse stable. Um, so it's a very iconic building. We have a lot of history here that we try to celebrate and tie into all of our events. Um, but yeah, they um, this part of the building was originally used by Piedmont Driving Club, which is right across the park from us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. the. If you're in Atlanta, you know about this space. You've, you've been to a concert there or you've been to a wedding there or a special event. It's one of the more um, sought after rooms in all of Atlanta um, for all the variety of stuff uh, that you guys do. Tell us a little bit about that variety.
1: Gosh, yeah, so I oversee all of the private events. Um, so anything that pays a rental fee and pre-purchases food and beverage, my department handles that. So that's gonna encompass things like weddings, corporate holiday parties, fundraisers, things like that. And then our restaurant management team oversees some of the events that are open to the public. And they do a lot of concerts, like you mentioned, they have um, some really great concert series. Um, The longest running free concert series in the city of Atlanta Um, is every Sunday, June or April through September. And then they do some seasonal things like a New Year's party, Halloween, um, oyster crawfish festival in March, um, St. Patrick's Day, things like that.
0: Yeah, it's quite a spread. I've been to many of those events actually and even played in some of them too. Um, As you can see, I have guitars on my wall. Um, But uh, but yeah, like, I think one of my favorite concert experiences that I've ever had in Atlanta um, was going to that Sunday night concert series and uh, it's free and tons of people used to show up, I guess, when it was okay for all of us to be together, you know? Right. Uh, Like it was like part of my routine probably for five or more years. It's like, oh, it's Sunday. It's time to go to Park Tavern and, and go, you know, uh, do this uh, do this thing you know um, so like I, I, uh, I some of my favorite concert experiences like um, um, you know Ruby Bell and the Soul Phonics and like um, you know, all these all the all the classic Atlanta bands
1: yes like, yeah
0: like I mean they all really came up through if you got that gig it was a real special thing like you're like you're moving somewhere blair kremen
1: right yeah i mean we've seen everyone from zach brown we've had collective soul play here multiple times um who else we've had maroon five we've had bon jovi um yacht rock review which is everyone knows them as you know an awesome cover band they really got their start here at park tavern so we've been very fortunate to work with some really really talented people along the way. What do you think
0: that people are drawn to in this space? I mean, obviously this is historic, but like, why does it, is is it the combination of the fact that you guys do these really cool ticketed and free events that then sort of feed your private um, uh, sector type of traffic for work, like weddings and corporate events and stuff like that? You think people come in through those avenues and they're like, oh man, I want to do my party or event here. Is that something that,
1: yes absolutely i mean we i can't tell you how many times we have had a couple walk in and say we met at new year's eve and we want to get married here or we met at saint patrick's day and we want to get married here um or people that have been to a concert or just you know had a burger out on the patio i think it people are drawn here for the location and the scenery and the atmosphere. And then they come back wanting to give that same thing to their guests when it's time to host an event.
0: Well, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, the the special moment is created there, um, particularly speaking of weddings. um, And why wouldn't you wanna have uh, it right back where it all started, right?
1: Right, yeah. Um,
0: Well, tell us, um, so, okay, so how many square feet did you say the whole property was? Do you know that?
1: Oh my God, I don't even know. I mean, we can host, upstairs is about 5,500, downstairs in the tent, you've got another uh, 5,000, not including the room I'm in now, or outdoor space. Mm -hmm. So we are very fortunate in that we have a tremendous amount of square footage.
0: What's the maximum for the outdoor large events that you guys do? What's the maximum capacity for that?
1: Without getting a permit through the city of Atlanta, we can do anywhere from 1,500 to 1,800. For our larger scale events, like a St. Patrick's Day Festival, we can work with the city of Atlanta to expand our event footprint into Piedmont Park, and then we can go over 2,000, uh, a rolling crowd of 3,500.
0: Yeah, that's something that people should know. I mean, as they're listening to this, if you've never been to this venue, the bottom part of it literally opens up into the park. So it's like you can just move some barricades back as much as you want. and Exactly. Just, right? Yeah. That's, uh, that's, you know, built-in unlimited square footage. As, right. As allowed by the city of Atlanta. At yeah. Um, pretty amazing stuff. Um, so what got you... Year. Like, how um, how did you get involved in this crazy industry? Because it is crazy.
1: <laughs> it is crazy. <laughs> um, I started really young. When I was in college, I kind of got a like a feeling that event planning was something I was interested in. I think I've always been very meticulous and organized, and so when it came time to look for part time jobs or internships, I kind of steered in that direction. My first job in the industry was with a a smaller venue and catering company in Athens. I don't know if you're familiar with Athens at all, but they were right on Millage Avenue, so like the sorority row, an um, old Annabella home. So I started there as a banquet server, my little tuxedo shirt, and my bow tie. And I served food and I served drinks and I set up and I broke down and I cleaned up and I did all of that. And the owner, I, you know, I had expressed like, this is kind of what I want to do. I think I want to get into this industry. And so he kind of took me under his wing and allowed me to kind of shadow him and see the ins and outs of what he did on a day to day basis. Um, And then eventually brought me into the office and just had me help with, you know, more of the menial tasks, the filing, the returning voicemails, all of that kind of paperwork stuff. And then from there, he connected me with another venue owner, a little bit outside of Athens in Watkinsville, like a 15 minute drive from campus. And I worked there in their office. Um, another very small company um, run by a couple who kind of wanted to take a little bit of a step back from the day-to-day. And at that venue, they it was a bed and breakfast, but they also hosted weddings and they hosted concert series. So I would oversee ticket sales, orchestrating the setups and the layouts and things like that. And really, I, I attribute those two jobs in college to getting my foot in the door here. When I came to interview at Park Tavern, I was still in college and I sat down with the owner and I think he was very impressed with the fact that I was willing to do the hard work. I was willing to be a server and clear tables and set up tables and do do some of that kind of behind-the-scenes stuff that's not so glamorous.
0: Wow. I mean, that's incredible uh, because you got literally the ground-up training. I mean, and and literally in all facets of what you do now for this venue. I mean, you started at just serving to all the way moving up to running things and then knowing about ticketed shows. That's a whole other skill. Yes. uh, And a whole other, like, you know, visionary type of practice as far as it pertains to like being able to think about like, well, are we going to sell more tickets or do we need to more money in advertising or like, you know, like where does, the, where does that ratio sort of balance out? Right. Um, yeah, really. I mean, sounds like you were like meant to be for this, uh, <laughs> for, this <laughs> for this particular position.
1: Well, I'm very fortunate that I, um, I feel very fortunate that I was able to get in the door here so young and have had some really great people kind of show me the way um, at a young age. So it's, it's definitely a hard career to kind of break into. That's what I always tell people, like they come to me and they're like, what do I do? And I'm like, you have to prove that you're willing to do the hard work. If you're not willing to, be a server then you're not willing to do the stuff that us as the executive managers are, are still doing 15 20 years later
0: yeah here's the hard truth if you're in this business um it's you have to do it all like there's not a, a ranking or anything it's about
1: right yeah
0: done. so it's something you're gonna have to get your hands dirty and you know it might not always be glamorous but that's this is the job we've signed up for. It's about executing and making sure that like every single event goes as flawlessly as possible. Um, And if there are flaws that the client never finds out about them, Um, you know, in a, in a way that's like, it makes their experience just beautiful. And um, it's, you know, I I like to, uh, I like to sort of compare it to like being a cook in a restaurant, you know, like, or a uh, a chef or something like chef just just doesn't, dive in and like you know make the menu and then walk away and say hey cook it see you later you know job's done here right he's on the line with the other cooks you know every night you know rocking it out you know in the most important parts of the night to make sure that it's always perfect you know yeah
1: that's
0: that's really kind of what we do
1: yeah Uh, yeah I think um that you know the the Media and the movies have done us an injustice. You know, they paint us as these beautiful, glamorous jobs, and we're we're walking around in suits and high heels. You know, just kind of delegating and telling people what to do. When, meanwhile, that is not the case at all. We are doing the heavy lifting, quite literally.
0: Just for somebody that doesn't know, like what your job entails. I mean, like. How many hours a week does it typically take for you?
1: So uh, yeah, my Uh, job is a
0: venue of your size, because it's okay. what you do is it's, it's so diverse and it's so large. It's not like a typical, like we have a barn and it's uh, in a remote area and what we do. Like, I mean, you're doing a lot of stuff. I mean, how many hours you put into this?
1: Right now during like a, a slower time of year, I really only work about 40 hours. During peak season, I will work closer to like the 50 range, but I'm lucky in that we do have a wonderful team here so that if I do work on a Saturday night, I'll try to take off like a Friday afternoon if possible or a Monday afternoon. So we do really try to achieve a better balance here than probably a lot of places, but for sure, this is a full-time job. What's and the, I'm on site how many all the people, time.
0: How many people there uh, are uh, working with you on all these events, like at a given time?
1: I have a, a salesperson that works with me. So she and I work very closely um, and we manage the day-to-day um, the filing um, correspondence, if you will, um, all of the planning of all of our events as, as well as the sales. And then we have a banquet director who oversees the execution and manages the actual weekend staff. And because we also have a restaurant on site, we do work very closely with our general manager and also the owner is very involved. We have a management team of about 12 people, um, but that encompasses everything from culinary to social media. So we don't all work together day to day necessarily, but we do really rely on each other and work as a team.
0: uh, So with your dining facilities that are on site, um, I guess that would mean that do you guys require the people that are coming on site to use uh, your kitchen, or can they like bring in different caterers and whatever?
1: We do require that you use our catering. We will make an exception if it is a cuisine that we cannot facilitate, such as a kosher menu, or um, sometimes we'll do like a large Indian wedding that we, we cannot cook that food, but they, those clients are still required to meet the food and beverage minimum.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if it's right there, I mean, and probably most of the people love it. I mean, I've had to be here.
1: It's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say 90, probably close to like 98% of our events use our catering. It's just that one exception, maybe once or twice a year. That doesn't.
0: What's sort of like your vision as it pertains to the future now? I mean, we've got like, and I, you know, I, you know, we can talk about COVID a little bit too, you know, like and the effects of that, but like, I mean, like if you're looking at the future now and we've sort of had this COVID reset, um, uh, is it just getting back to business as usual or is there like some new things that like, maybe you guys want to try to like engage the community in a different way than you have
1: before? Um, I think the answer to that question is different for weddings and corporate. I think for weddings, our goal is to get back to what we were seeing pre-COVID. I think it's gonna take some time. Um, I think the intimate micro wedding that is a trend right now is lovely. I think it can be really beautiful. However, for so many people in the industry, it's not sustainable. Your profit margin is just not going to make sense. You know, as you know, it's j- almost as much work to produce a wedding for 20 people as it is 200 in many ways. Um, so I think for weddings, yes, we want to get back to business as usual as quickly as we possibly can. I think for corporate, we are really going to have to develop some new concepts. I think with the work at home environment, probably never going back to the way that it was. I think it actually opens some doors and gives some opportunities for venues and restaurants and people in the event industry to really, you know, shine and do some new things. You know, the way I look at it, If you're working from home, you don't have an opportunity to network with your colleagues and you're not getting to get that face time with them and really get to know them. So I think in the future, what we want to really develop is some team building concepts, some quarterly happy hour opportunities, ways to get those companies to get their employees to have that face time and make it profitable for us.
0: I got to tell you, I like everything that you just said, and I think it's the unfortunate um, truth uh, that, like, I, I do think these micro weddings now have, that, that, that have come into vogue because of all of this um, is a trend that's likely going to stay here. And it's definitely going to affect the bottom line of many, many companies within our industry. And the fallout from this is going to be pretty uh unprecedented really uh the um i mean i i just feel like that a lot of people that are doing business right now will not be able to do the same amount of business in the future and um maybe it breaks up those big conglomerates that have a lot of overhead and uh, like traditional brick and mortars and all that kind of stuff where their businesses are represented maybe it breaks that up um, maybe it uh, pushes people to become smaller, um, and then so that you have more smaller companies competing for that. But the, the uh, but the truth is is that um, the I think the the veil has been torn here, and I, I I yeah I'm not trying to be preach the doom and gloom because I think there is plenty of I mean it's a a hundred plus million dollar billion dollar business a year so right. We are talking about a a, a pretty sizable adjustment but we are still talking about billions of dollars in available market share for people to to experience um you know uh nationwide or whatever so like i feel like that it's going to take some pivoting uh and people are going to have to get creative exactly like what you're saying like coming up with cool different team building things for people that are you know, maybe not going to the office five days a week, but maybe one day a week now, or maybe once a quarter, they all get together and hang out. Um, Should be very interesting where this evolves. And I like the way you're kind of thinking about
1: it. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, I I think we'll still do, you'll still see companies doing the traditional holiday parties in December and January. But I think my hope at least is that that's not all they're doing. They're not Celebrating their employees and hosting their employees for an event just once a year. I think, you know, the way I look at it is if they're reducing their office space and they're redu- reducing their overhead when it comes to the brick and mortar and getting people in their facilities, then that money can be spent elsewhere. And I think the need, what companies are really going to see, is they really need to get employees together in the same room. So yeah, that's something that we're really focusing on this year is trying to develop some almost like packages or pre-made concepts that we can sell. So we're doing that brunt work for them. We're going to, you know, some of those team building companies and saying, hey, can we just purchase this package? We're going to bundle it with our food and our open bar, and then we're going to sell it to the in the end client so that that in client isn't having to do that research
0: mm-hmm. well that's that's a big selling point for a lot of people is one-stop shops you know it's like oh i can literally book three or four things all at one time and right okay, you know
1: yeah and
0: that's that's a that's a really big thing and you guys definitely have the ability to do that with the, with the variety of space that you offer yeah um i i i gotta tell you it's it is very interesting right now. I mean, I I think a lot of um, people that I've interviewed um, have had a very optimistic sort of uh, take on this whole thing as far as being like, oh, well, we're going to get right back to it and everything. And um, uh, and I, I think that I'm also optimistic, but I'm also realistic in that, like, I think this, the idea of the micro wedding is, you know, I, I just kind of see it as it's it's pretty cost effective for the client that maybe doesn't have, you know, a lot of money, but usually I think the average spend on a wedding in 2019 was around $30,000 like nationwide. Right. So like you mm-hmm. are talking about a huge cut, um, in overall, um, market share, um, which is going to put a lot of people out of business. And that's the doom and gloom of the whole thing, but
1: the right the thing
0: is, is that we get to be creative and we get to use mm-hmm. that side of our brain that we all have in this industry. And like, we're able to sit down and like, come up with new ways of doing business. And, um, right. you know, that's a good yeah. thing.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what we've been using some of our downtime to do is, you know, the, the micro weddings or the smaller weddings, like we've been saying, they, they probably are here to stay for a little while. But what can we do to still bring in a similar spending for a forty-person or a fifty-person wedding as we would for seventy-five or a hundred? Mm-hmm. And I think what we keep hearing over and over again is that the age group that's really getting married these days is far more into experiences than material goods. So we're trying to translate. How do we create experiences within our services? So, whether that's upgrading a bar package and doing like a really cool bourbon tasting, or, um, you know, like we had a wedding that was really into um, like Mexican and Spanish flavors. So, we did a churro bar, like a late night churro station. So, I, yeah, I think you have to get creative and think outside of the box and. And maybe the optimistic thing to think is even though it is a small wedding, how, how can we make the money? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, kind of those add-ons and those upgrades.
0: And you're also providing value to the client. Like you're actually saying, no, we're going to like step up our game, uh, to make you want to invest in us. So, I mean, i think I'm always about providing value to clients. Like anytime I get a chance to speak with them, um, you know, like I'm all about arming them with um, the the best resources that they can to make their decision, even if it's not my own business, you know, Um, because I feel like that sort of generosity is what gives people the you know, the ability to make the best decision for them. And even if I'm not the best decision for them, they're gonna get the best decision, you know? So I'll, I'm always right. adding value to the customer experience, especially in uh, in the actual execution of the, of the event.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you have to, and, and like you said, you know, as you're providing that, you know, maybe the sales process, the worst that can happen is that they don't book, but they walk away feeling like a you're an expert in the industry and b you provide really great customer service and if they don't book with you then maybe they're going to tell one of their friends um and you know it's it, it it's going to pay off at some point
0: especially in you guys' uh particular situation because you have basically like what we call in the modern world is a funnel um, yes,
1: mean, we are very fortunate to have a wonderful funnel.
0: Yes, you have a literally a built-in <laughs> funnel. Yes, they have a book with you for their wedding. Um, maybe they come around and they mention you at the boardroom table for their corporate event later because exactly. you're providing free um, services to them uh, on a weekly basis, like this Sunday night concert series, that's like you know pretty infamous in Atlanta for everybody. Uh, if anybody is here in Atlanta listening, uh, you know what I'm talking about. But, uh, but the, but that's, but that's what you're doing. You're constantly adding value to the community, which then makes you relevant at the table when the decisions are made, which is just, I mean, we got a trendy word for it. Like I said, it's called funnel, but you know, it was just called adding value back in the day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I appreciate you understanding that. um, And that's definitely what we strive for. And I'll say that the owner of park tavern this is i think like his 30th restaurant since he's been in business and this is the only property that he owns now but he'll tell you that he he would probably never be interested in owning just a restaurant or just an events venue because you you really do need one and another to work together to have continued success over the years Um, because of the funnel system, you know? So like right now we're not, our, our private event sales of course are, are low. They're so down compared to last year because of COVID but the restaurant is killing it. They are absolutely killing it. And it's all these college kids who can't go to fraternity parties, they can't go to sorority parties or you know, other restaurants and bars are closed so everyone's coming to us and the restaurant is kind of propping up the private event sector of the company. Whereas for many years it was the opposite. So you kind of have to lean, you know, it's like a, a teepee or a tent of sorts where you're leaning on the other side.
0: Right. That's um, Isn't that just like a beautiful encapsulation of like what we've all had to do. We've all had to look at everything that we do and just say, what are we doing? Uh, and like, how are we going to get through this? And, um, for all of our, you know, our sort of fallen, uh, vendors that, um, that didn't make it, um, hearts go out to them, but, you know, great planning, great vision, uh, um, tiered way to serve clients, um, at various levels, um, is really, uh, it's really showing up huge in this particular market that we're in right now.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Um, man, I I'm very interested um, in just venues with character, um, and I, your your venue has always had so much character to me for all of the for all the reasons we just said as far as like the variety of events and stuff like that. Um, and I've always thought that this particular place had a real true vision for um like i said community and uh, the ability to serve those people um when they need it um what um how has your staff been um through this whole entire process and how have you guys taken steps to sort of take care um your staff as best as you can uh through this whole thing
1: yeah. So like I said, the the restaurant part of the company has actually been thriving since we reopened in June. So the restaurant shifted from a full service environment with table service, um, you know, the traditional servers at the tables and menus and food coming out to more of a, a bar atmosphere or a fast casual. So now when you walk up to the bar, you order your food and your drinks there, and then they call you and you go pick it up. Mm. So it's a a much more casual environment. It allows us to keep our overhead down. It allows us to kind of minimize the face-to-face between customers and our staff because we can keep our bartenders and our staff behind the plexi shields and we can keep them distanced. So anyone that was or I'd say almost anyone that was in a server position has moved to a bartender position. They've been trained to do that um, so that they can still make the, the money that they were making prior to this. Um, and then in terms of the banquet team, um, we've kept our, our main team on throughout the time. I mean, obviously, Most people did have to go on unemployment when we were closed, but we've brought back our main, our crew for banquets. We've always relied somewhat on temps, um, just because we do have those peaks and troughs throughout the seasons. Um, So all of our main crew is still here.
0: So what's your, what's the uh, 2021 landscape look for you guys as far as how far are you planning out now? I mean, obviously we're still in this particular phase, but like, um, you know, like how far out, like are you closed or like, do you have things on the books for the summer and you're just kind of hoping, you know, like what's uh, what's the general plan for next year? 2021
1: looks pretty good. Um, February, January, February, March are slow. Um, And that's pretty typical, Um, but it's slower than normal. And then as we get into the spring, we really start to ramp up. And then by summer, we're nearly at capacity, um, including Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Um, Granted, some of those events are transfers from 2020, but we are still getting a lot of inquiries and bookings for 2021 dates.
0: That's good. It's
1: a weird, it's a weird sales cycle right now. Like,
0: Very weird. You know,
1: it's, I, I have been saying like since March, it's, it's the wild, wild west. Like someone will cancel an event and then someone else will rebook a date. And it's like that, that dates in three months. It's just, it's kind of bizarre how it's working.
0: Yeah. One of my, uh, uh, you know, just to add to that for the listener experience here, just so they're like, they really get a scope of it. I mean, I had it. I had a wedding call for one of the bands that I have for like two weeks out, like two weeks.
1: Yeah. That's unheard of.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just in this business, it's like completely unheard of. Yeah. Uh, so if you're a bride or groom listening, understand uh, that you are in the most not normal time ever. <laughs> I mean, for, I mean, right. obviously, but also for the wedding industry uh, as well. Yeah. It's just I mean so weird uh you know getting a call two weeks out it's like hey come play my wedding in two weeks what two weeks? Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah uh, kind of nuts um the uh I, I just i really hope that everything you know levels out by summer of course i said the same thing i was definitely on team in the beginning and i i openly admit this i was like well you know summer the flu usually goes away so maybe just- well
1: i think i think we all thought that i mean who, who would have thought that we would be sitting here 10, 11 months later still dealing with this? But we are.
0: Here we are, you know. But, you know, it's people like you um, and, uh, and your team to sort of have an overall vision for the future and keep that vision and are willing to move and uh, stay flexible and uh, do the best you can um, to, to survive are going to be the ones. And, and also thinking about the future in that, like you're trying to, you know, see what's next on the horizon and really having not just like in the moment, like what are we going to do kind of vision, but also at the same time, like what, what is the, what is 36 months from now look like, you know? Right.
1: Well, I think, I think you have to.
0: Yeah, you have to. Um,
1: You know, um, and of course, you know, back in March and April, we were all, you know, just drowning in cancellations and postponements and we were just trying to keep our head above water but now that we this has continued to go on and we've been able to kind of take a step back if you're not trying to reorganize or regroup or rebrand or come up with a new pivot as everyone's saying then then you're you might not be around in in a year or two
0: it's uh what a time um yeah the place that we are in um yeah let's learn a little bit more specifically about you now because we've heard a lot oh about you and when people are going to pick up the phone and they're going to call you I'm listening to this interview i hope uh and i believe so uh when they call you and they say uh you know hey i want to get on the phone and i want to talk to this girl about having my wedding here I think it'd be really cool if we could tell them a little bit about yourself. So if you've listened to this podcast before, you know what's coming. It's, we're going to talk about uh, just some rapid fire questions. My <laughs> friend Lauren here, and they're all okay. PG because we're a PG program for the most part, uh, depending, okay. on, depending on who's on, <laughs> I guess I should asterisk that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, but you know, gonna say
1: if it wasn't so early, I would be having a drink with me. Yeah, maybe uh, I need to go
0: pour one. Now we're getting to it. Now we're getting to the sauce. So
1: okay,
0: so that's uh, that's uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite episodes. Always, always make make mention of this. Um, my friend Ivy, um, Robinson, who's a wonderful event planner out of Charlotte. Um, she uh, she came on and she uh, I knew we were in for an amazing episode uh when uh our call started with her showing me her shirt which is like this is my day drinking shirt and nice uh, it was like oh it was right in the middle of the pandemic so we were all you know everybody in the industry is like what are we doing?
1: Yeah it's two o'clock it's time time to start drinking.
0: Yeah exactly so uh anyway so let's ask some questions about you so we can get to know you and um and and everybody will have a greater sense of who you are. So um, tell me what uh, t- tell me what you've been listening to music wise because that's the question that I always want to ask
1: oh my god I'm this is a horrible question for me because I'm not a music person at all really um yeah I'm I I do like country and after a few drinks I will love some like late 90s early 2000s rap and hip-hop
0: oh nice but,
1: <laughs> but on like a day-to-day I'm pretty I'm pretty tame with my music
0: Right. Um, well, that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. That just means something wonderful and artistic in another way. things that void in your life, I'm sure. Yeah. So, uh, so tell, are you a reader? Do you like to read books?
1: I do read a lot. Yes. That's like my way to decompress every night. So like I have my routine of like turn off the TV, turn off my phone, go to bed and read. Um, it doesn't actually work out great because I like fall asleep as I'm reading. So it takes me forever to get through a book. And like, at the end of it, I'm like, I still don't really know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but I go between like the easy beach read, like romance stuff. And then more of like the Gillian Flynn, Ruth Ware, kind of like psychological thrillers. All right.
0: Thrillers. And 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 cheesy romance novels. Yes. Right? Is that yeah. It? Is yeah. I know mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I uh I, I've never been a I gotta say I've never been the cheesy romance guy. But,
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't peg me as that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, you know, also I mean, but we all have our things. Um uh yeah, that's cool. Favorite, uh uh give me like what's your go to is for like food. Like you're gonna eat food, you're gonna pull out your favorite like type of food that you're going to grab what's it going to be
1: Uh uh-huh I'm definitely a sweet tooth So like ice cream cookies all of that candy I'll take it all is there and wine
0: is there a particular favorite brand of ice cream that you like run towards
1: no not really I don't discriminate when it comes to ice cream
0: (laughs) you're like me I'm I like I love Morelli's but then I will totally go to DQ and get a blizzard
1: oh yeah oh man I haven't had one of those in a while
0: well, now you're going to get one today because I just. I
1: probably will. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, what's, um, what's, uh, are, are, tell me, tell me something like uh, that you like to do with your time. Do you have any like unusual, uh, like, or maybe not even unusual, but like hobbies or uh, things you like to do in your free time? Yeah,
1: I have two small kids, so I really don't have hobbies.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. no. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I'm like lucky to like shower and dry my hair on a daily basis. Um so I run around after my kids and I drink a lot. <laughs> it's really my oh, okay. hobbies. <laughs> my
0: hobby. Oh man. Oh. I drink
1: a lot of wine.
0: I, oh yeah. yeah, let's let's talk about wine. What's your what's your go-to?
1: Um in the winter I really like a Chardonnay, but it needs to be like a lighter kind of like an unoaked Chardonnay and then sure. I'll always do a Pinot Grigio. Um, I kind of stay away from the red wine. Oh. I get a little. I I just get. I I mean. I I don't. Nothing crazy happens. I just get a little like flush and tipsy.
0: I see a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, actually, I just got my mom. I'm so I'm. uh, My wine. I'm more of a bourbon dude. So like I I know that but like. The wine culture has kind of been reeling really me in, and I have a friend of mine who's a natural wine rep for a distributor that distributes a lot of alcohol in, in Atlanta, and he does a lot of tastings, and he showed me this tool that I did not know existed, and for all my listeners that love wine, um, you need to know about this. I, I, I don't even remember what it's called, but if you look up on Amazon or something, you'll find it. Um, it's around 250 bucks, but pin- essentially what it does is it pierces the corks. So the cork never comes out of the bottle. It pierces the cork, and then you're able to like pour out a glass. And then when you pull out whatever pierces the cork, it reseals the cork.
1: So okay.
0: whenever you open a bottle of wine, you don't have to feel like that you have to finish it in like less than 24 hours before it goes bad. Yeah. Or, or whatever that timestamp is. Um, the cheaper ones that are around a hundred bucks will keep a bottle of wine fresh for up to a month. The more expensive one that I mentioned will keep it fresh for like seven years. So you could nice. actually build like a wine, you know, cellar and not you know and open, you know, a vintage bottle of wine and not lose the freshness. And you can like say, ah, I'm gonna have a glass of that today
1: and yeah.
0: then save it for later.
1: Yeah, that's my problem is I kind of hoard my wine and like I don't have any really good wines, but I hoard my good bottles and I never drink them because I, I'm you know, I'm like, well, I won't finish it and then it'll go bad. Right. And then my mother in law comes over and she drinks them.
0: So. <laughs> like all of it.
1: Yes. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, I, I was actually going to save that for <laughs> Christmas or Thanksgiving or like maybe we could drink it together. But um, that's, I guess that's how we pay her for babysitting. So I really can't complain.
0: <laughs> that's amazing. Um. Oh, man. Um. Well, hey, listen, thanks so much for taking the time to hang out with us. And, you know, we wish you guys all the best. I mean, it's it's what a year, but um, but we're in a new one now, and one yes, and um, one that is going to be unlike any other, uh, just like the year before it, um, before some normalcy comes around. But I'm really am rooting for you guys, and I'm so thankful that your institution exists in Atlanta because it's done. Uh, some of my favorite concert experiences have been at your venue. So thank
1: you, thank you so much. Well, yeah, let me know. Come hang out on the patio. We'll we'll break out the bourbon all right you and we'll we'll have some wine yeah.
0: hey listen i i'll call you next week <laughs> i
1: was gonna say i'll see you in an hour <laughs>
0: yeah like, yeah. just let me get to noon here okay
1: yeah
0: um, uh well uh thanks for being here uh this has been another episode of southern wedding professionals and i hope you really enjoyed it and uh, check out this wonderful venue and this wonderful person and make sure you reach out to them we'll have all the social media links below in the comments and uh so we'll see you next time